Hi, this is Rodney with Lost in Translation. I'm in San Diego. My dear friend, Dr. Baruch Corman is in Israel. How you doing, Baruch? Shalom, Rodney. I'm doing well. How are you and your family? We're doing really good. Going through uh, a little heat wave here, but you know what? It's what air conditioning is for, right? <laughs> yes. Hey, so today, yeah, so today, sorry, there was a sh short delay, um, so I didn't mean to talk over him, but today we want to go over some biblical truth about the end times. Now, first, I want to want people to know that, uh, and you might already know this, so just bear with us for a second. The Bible was written, the New Covenant, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, New Testament. It was written in Hebrew, and it was written in Greek. And unless you can read Hebrew or read Greek, you're not going to get it. You might miss out on some, some biblical truth. And this is what we want uh, Dr. Brute Corman today. He's going to we're going to get into some end times truth and maybe some things that we need to look for in the end so that we can um, have a better idea and be prepared, as John would put it for us, to be prepared. This is why we have the book of Revelation. So um, Dr. Brew Corman, he can read Hebrew, he can read Greek. And so, but unless your pastor has taken the time to do this, and again, I'm not, I don't want to blast anybody and I won't name names. But I hear a lot of mistruths out there or maybe misdirection for us. People don't think that, they, that we need to pay attention to this. And they might think that we don't need to pay attention to the end times or maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe the rapture isn't real. There's so many mistruths out there. Um, believe me, the rapture is real. It's going to happen. It's going to take place. And we're looking forward to it. So, uh, but there's five things that Dr. Brute Corman is going to lay out for us that will help us to get a better understanding about the end times and what we need to pay attention and look for. So I'm going to let Dr. Brute keep going, start going here. How you doing, Brute? Ready to go? Uh, I'm doing good, yes. Um, All right. one, one very encouraging point is that what we're dealing with today, these five things, you may not know Hebrew or Greek or have a degree in, in a Bible college or seminary, but if you read the Bible at all with, with any translation you have, you're going to agree with these things because they are very prominent in regard to the last days, what we see in prophecy, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And, and what excites me, and we should be excited about the last days because our Lord is going to return to gather up his disciples. We are going to experience intimacy in that wedding banquet with him in heaven. And so there's only good things. Now, it's a rough road to get to, to that final conclusion. But as these things happen, Messiah says to lift up our heads, which means to be encouraged. So I want to say five things that the scripture overwhelmingly in many different places in God's word points to. And, and the first is, and we're, we see this with their eyes. It's not that, oh, I don't agree with that. There's someone that debates that. These things are, are beyond uh, argumental. They are facts. And what is that? Well, one of the signs that, that the prophets taught is that God's going to bring the people, the Jewish people, the descendants of Jacob, back to the land of Israel. And there's no disagreement. We see that more and more people are coming faster and faster to the land of Israel. I live in the southern part of, of Israel. 
and we see these communities just exploding. You go and you see the, the cranes to build, to build quickly. So God is faithful. The prophet says that he was going to bring the people back to the land, and he has. At the end of the Holocaust, there was about 700,000 Jewish people here, and now it's almost 7 million, and more are coming each day. So the first thing we see is the return of the Jewish people back to the land. And I asked Ronnie, you've been here to Israel. What, what are your impressions of, of this fact? Well, yeah, <clears throat> you're right. I mean, I didn't see it before, and I only know what I've been told and what you've taught me. But yes, it's everywhere you look, especially on your way downtown to Tel Aviv or on your way back around to Jerusalem, or, uh, you know, there's cranes everywhere. And I asked you, what's going on here? I mean, it's booming. It's booming. And it's a wonderful thing to see. And, um, you know, and then if you dive deeper into it and why this is happening again, God is faithful, bringing back his people to Israel. That's exactly right. Uh, the second thing that, that I want to mention is that Daniel chapter 8 tells us that there's an ancient empire. Daniel calls it the, the isle, meaning the ram. And he says it's Parasumidai, which is the Medes and the Persian, which speaks of modern-day Iran, that Iran is going to be a, a source of, of instability, that they are going to want to destroy the Jewish people as they did back in the days of Haman in the book of Esther, so we see today that Iran is rising up, just like the prophet Daniel says, that Iran is a influence for those things that are, are bringing instability into the world. They're a hatred of the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. So this is the second thing that, that we see. In fact, what's going on as this video is being made, the United States and Europe is trying to put back together a very poor plan, a treaty, an agreement with Iran that is was disastrous, and I think this time it's even going to be worse. And what we hear on the Israeli news is that Israel taking independent actions against Iran and their nuclear uh, program, which I believe that Israel has already done much through cyber means, but but through perhaps military means that they may be led to do if. Iran is allowed to do what many people are, are, are thinking, and that is to progress towards their objective of nuclear weapons. So Iran being a, a key nation in these days that we're living in is a sign of prophecy that lets us know that we're growing close to the end times. Well, Baruch, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, as we do get closer, I mean, every day we get closer to his return, and that's that's just said by the every day that passes. But what are some of the signs that we need to look for? I mean, obviously you have to believe that the rapture is going to take place in order to even want to go down this path. So that's established. We believe that here. We believe that the rapture is going to take place for sure, and we look for his return. Now, what are some of the things that that I know these are some of the points that you're going to talk about? And first one was the, the Jewish people coming back to Israel. What would be the second one on your list? The Iranian empire growing and being a source of instability. And the third one 
is, is the spirit of the Antichrist. And that spirit of the Antichrist, we see this from John in 1 John. We see it as well from John again in the book of Revelation. And the spirit of the Antichrist is a spirit of blasphemy. And that is an attack against the truth of, of, of God's word, of the character of God, of the standards of God and such. And, and we see that there's a growing unrighteousness and an acceptance and an encouraging of those things which God sees as an abomination, those things that are in conflict with his order, how he's created this world, that there should be a man and a woman, not that a man can become a woman or a woman become a man. This is, this is attacking the plans of God. And this is rooted in that spirit of the Antichrist. So this is being manifested in a change of value systems, a change of perspective. And what we all have heard before, this calling that which is bad, good, and calling what is good, bad. This Antichrist perspective, this, this man of lawlessness, this man of wickedness, these things are being embraced by more and more nations. So that's the third one, the spirit of the Antichrist. Well, I want to throw something in there and ask you before you go on to the fourth thing is that I hear people say that they are lost books of the Bible. And this is, I believe, in my opinion, a way that Satan tries to corrupt the books that we have right now, that we want to take these in faith and believe that God inspired and told these men what to write down for us. But if we have these lost books out there and people start throwing them in and taking them out and it gets so colluded that um, it's muddy in the waters and then it's easier for Satan to deceive us or just say that the Bible's corrupted, what, how you can't trust any of it. What do you say about that? Yeah, well, first of all, and this is, is so significant, vital that, that you bring this up, and that is there are no lost books of the Bible. What we have is, is complete. It says that God moved holy men, inspired them in order to write down his truth. We have it all. And, and what is so unfortunate, there's a Bible Institute. And I remember I was, was, was here in Israel and I was asked to listen to a show. And before that show came on, they had a very small, small interview with an individual that has a Bible Institute. And I, I really liked what he had to say. I thought it was really, really good. And, and then in order to, to get people to subscribe to their, their uh, uh, newsletter or something, they were, were giving away the book of Hanok or Enoch in English. And I thought to myself, what in the world is a Bible Institute giving a non-biblical book to, to people. And what it's about trying to create uh, sensationalism. People are like, wow, a lost book. And there are no lost books. We need to focus on scripture, the Holy Bible, and not be taken aside into to other writings that are not inspired by God. So I, I appreciate you bringing that up. There are no lost books. We need to be biblically sound, not not filling our minds with the untruths, the spiritual pollution of other writings. Right. I've heard men preach or just talk about in discussion 
that, you know, okay, maybe they're not part of the Bible, but these are great books that gives us other insight of what's going on. And I disagree with that wholly. We can't, I, I wouldn't even look at them. I would not even read the book of Enoch if I were you, if you have not heard about it, don't even look for it. It's not, there's not anything in there. There might be some truth in there, but for the most part, it's probably not even written by Enoch, first of all. We don't even want to go in there. Just don't read it. Let's stick to like what Baruch says, the truth. This is what God gave us, our instructions for here on earth, and what we have to look forward to in his new kingdom that we're going to all live in. So, uh, Baruch, what's number four? Or you have something else you well, might want to say? Just, just real, you, you, you made me think of something, because you, know, you can always find in a lot of different writings some good things, some things based upon scriptural truth. But there's an old adage, and that is this. Just a little bit of arsenic will ruin a perfectly good meal. And we need to have that same attitude when it comes with, with, with biblical revelation. When you add just a little bit, there can be a lot of good. This is what Satan does. He just gets a little bit of deceit, a little bit of lie, a little bit of falsehood, and from that, he gets a foothold, and he's able to do great disaster in, in people's lives, testimonies, their walk, their, their theology. So just a little bit of, of falsehood can corrupt a whole bunch of truth. But the fourth one— well, Brooke, Brooke, I want to—can I add to that real quick? Sure. <laughs> you know, you made me think of something. So these Gnostic Gospels and all these other ones that people wanted to throw in there, a really good example is the Book of Mary. Now, if we were to take the Book of Mary and believe that, that our, our, our Savior, Yeshua, and Mary had a relationship and had children, are you kidding me? This would take the divinity completely out of uh, Jesus' hands. And it would. And this is what a, a good example. This is how Satan wants to corrupt the Bible. And, and, and again, I'm just giving you an example. Don't go there. Um, so, Brooke, go ahead and explain your, your number four. Number four is an increase of, of Christian persecution. Now, it's going to get much, much worse if we look at that famous passage from Matthew 24, what, what Christianity calls the Olivet Discourse, because he had this discourse when he was on the Mount of Olives. He talks about, beginning in verse, I believe, verse 9 and, and 10, that there's going to be persecution. But even before that, and this is what we're experiencing now, growing persecution of those who name the name Yeshua. The number of countries that are on the list of where, if you're a believer in Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, that you will be persecuted, that list is growing. And the degree of persecution, the intensity of the persecution is growing. So this is another one that we see that that. Christian persecution is happening, increasing. It's a sign that we're coming close to the, the end times. And finally, the last one I have is growing instability. Now, I am very adamant that the coronavirus is not a, a plague sent by God and, and having end-time re relationships and, and such. I don't believe that. But governments are using this virus and we see i won't go into you know you you have things in in israel there was a small outbreak in a school 
of, of 45 students. I don't think any of them have any symptoms of it. And they sent 500 kids back to be quarantined and they're talking about all these things to do because of it. I think governments are trying to capitalize in their power, their hold over people through this. But regardless, the coronavirus, how it's being administered quite improperly by the world is, is going to lead to a growing instability. The debt, the amount of debt that governments are going into because of the coronavirus is going to have some serious economic implications to it. We know that, for example, where you are, Ronnie, inflation is rising, and where I'm in, in Israel, we see the prices of things going up significantly. And when you print money, the value goes down, inflation's the outcome. This is what's happening in the world, and financial instability will, will influence so many different aspects of, of one's life, uh, governments, decisions, social things. So these five things, the Jewish people returning back to the land, the rise, the influence of Iran, the spirit of the Antichrist, Christian persecution, and more and more instability throughout the world. All of these are five very clear things that the Bible teaches that will, will characterize this transition from what was into this period of time known as the last days. Now, I agree, uh, you know, those are great observations. People are going to debate those and say, oh, we're, this isn't happening or, or this is happening. Um, the Holy Spirit will give us discernment about, you know, this, you know, we're going to feel this happening. I want to ask you a question about something physically happening, and that is the temple being built. Is that very important as we look forward? Uh, it, it is uh, a sign. I, I try to choose those that are happening. And despite the, the misinformation that comes out frequently by an organization called the Temple Institute, nothing, and I want to say this, nothing is going on currently in regard to building the third temple. If anyone tells you that, they are, are mistaken, they have been misled, nothing's going on in regard to building the third temple, but there will be that third temple, and that third temple must be functioning as these final seven years, what's called Daniel's 70th week begins, but nothing's taking place in regard to that. It's significant, but it's not happening. No work is being done in regard to that today. Well, if we were going to explain to somebody, you know, that that this sign, you know, because it's debatable on, you know, these other signs given, these other five important facts, and they are facts, they're happening from today on. And it's a gradual thing, these people coming back into Israel, the financial instability, these things. But as we look future, and we know it, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen tomorrow, but when this temple is being built, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to take a, take control of that and gain favor with Israel, the Jewish people, and then something else is going to happen. And I'm, I'm goading you here. I'm, I'm going to get you to tell us real quick what's going to happen. Well, the, the, the next temple, now people may have the best intentions, but the, the third temple 
ultimately is going to be used for the purposes of the Antichrist. And he's going to use it in order to, to say an end to all religion. He's going to begin, his empire is going to begin with, with uh, embracing whatever type of religion that one wants, that's fine with him. Religious pluralism. But that's going to, we see this in Revelation chapter 13, that's going to come to an end, and he's going to demand that everyone pays ultimate allegiance to him. That's what the mark of the beast is about, paying allegiance to his empire. And when he goes in and commits what's called the abomination of desolation, when he goes into that, that holy, most holy place, the holy of holies, what's called in Hebrew, Devir Habayat, he's going to proclaim that he's God and demand everyone to worship him. And we know something else, Israel will reject him. This is why there's going to be Jacob's trouble because of their rejection of the Antichrist. But this is something that's going to happen in the midst of those seven years. What, what I'm focusing on are things that let us know that we're approaching that time. So the, the early things that, that here again, when we read the scripture, these five things are, are not debatable. The scripture's clear, they're going to happen. Absolutely going to happen. And I, and I know I was jumping forward to right prior to the rapture, but I want people to also know that um, the other parts, and we can do a whole nother video on this, but we're going to be here all up until that time of the mark of the beast. We're not going to be taken out of this uh, like some preach this. Uh, so we don't, we're going to have every bit of Satan's wrath poured out on us, this persecution that you were talking about, all the way up into the rapture. And the rapture won't take place until the abomination of desolation, as you put it. And I didn't want to make it all about that, but that's a key important. So we need to look where we are here and pay attention to the signs that God has given us. So that, uh, why? So we get to go to heaven earlier or that we don't miss the boat or that we're not ready. I think preparation, something that you've told me many times, Baruch, is preparation. We're, do, we're doing this so that we can have a better idea of what God wants in our life and also for the, the next kingdom that he brings to us. We want to be able to serve him without any, without any result. We want to make sure that this is what we want. And we, and we do want this, but we want to do it perfectly. Um, so if uh, you have anything to add to that, Baruch, I, I'm finished. <laughs> You're finished. Okay, I want people to know that, that Brooke has done an in-depth teaching on all this subject. There's four great, I'm going to look at my notes here, there's four great books. If you go to my Bible study app, it's free, you can download it, put it on your phone, and then go into special messages. And he's got some great teachings. He's got a couple on end times truth, a couple on rapture truth. One about the 144,000. And this is really going to help explain what we've been talking about. And it'll bring clarity in your life. And I promise you that, you know, just pray before you watch it and listen with an open mind. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And you're going to believe this is the truth because it is. It's right directly from the Bible. There's no opinions. It's not debatable. This is what the scripture says in Greek and some of it in Hebrew because the Old Testament is tied to the New Testament. Many places in the Old Testament talk about the end times also. Anyway, this is about what Baruch's teaching, not me. Um, Baruch, again, thank you so much for 
all your teaching. You want to add anything before we close? Just that the word of God is what's true. And our hope is that we encourage people to get in and read it, pray about it. As you said, pray diligently that God will be your teacher through the Holy Spirit. And you'll have not Ronnie's view or my view or someone else's, but exactly what the word of God teaches that this Holy Spirit will reveal it to you and that you'll be faithful to it. That's what's important. Amen. Well, we love you. Thank you for watching. Um, ready for the next video when we come up, please watch it. Share, your, share this with your friends and, and please just pray for Israel, pray for the United States that uh, God will protect all of his Christians and we can gather. Um, so until next time, join us next on Lost in Translation.